Hey friend, this podcast is brought to you by The Family Thrive, an expert-led, science-backed online community for busy parents looking to thrive. Join us at thefamilythrive.com. I really, truly believe that we're not only building this, but we're going to realize the potential of it. And it just takes, I don't know, it takes a pretty unique strength that I feel like I built over time. That's the strength in like in like dealing with, with with fear and like really feeling into a very deep knowledge around the truth and power of what we're doing and believing in that. All right, welcome to a special edition of the Family Thrive Podcast. It's only Audra and I today. We are the special guests. Uh, We wanted to record a podcast just for Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, uh, but we have a lot of other stuff to discuss as well. So we're going to just jump right into it. Audra? September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and it it's a special time for us. I remember our very first Childhood Cancer Awareness Month was right after that we were aware of that we produced messaging around and all that was after Max was diagnosed. And it was under a month after he was diagnosed. And I realized, oh, wow, this is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month in September. And uh, it's clear that there isn't enough awareness. And in 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 my mind, once people become aware they uh, are, are more empowered to take action and do something about it. So we started at this 10 years ago and have been working on Childhood Cancer Awareness Month every year. And it's, it's, it is really important. Uh, cancer is the number one disease killer of children in the United States. It's a really, really big deal. And we're underfunding childhood cancer research from the federal government. Less than 4% of our uh, cancer research funding goes to over 100 forms of childhood cancer. And prostate cancer alone, not known as a particularly lethal disease, in fact, for men, very often it's better not to treat it at all, right, gets 8%. So twice as much for one disease that isn't that lethal. And that just doesn't feel, just doesn't sit right with me and and many, many others, right? And so a lot of private foundations step up, usually families in grief and bereavement, families trying to make a difference, step up to fill the gaps in in research. And it's a a tremendous struggle and uphill battle because, as you know, with research, um, it's really never enough that there are so many questions to be answered. There's so much that we don't know um, about these diseases um, that... It's it's quite a challenge. And one thing is clear is that we really believe, and I know many researchers believe, that if we unlock the keys to childhood cancers, we will learn more about adult cancers because childhood cancers are not caused by lifestyle factors. Well, for me, Childhood Cancer Awareness Month is not just about research, but it's also about programs like our nonprofit Maxwell Project do for Mm -hmm. cancer survivorship, also quality of life through treatment. We all know that going through cancer treatment is extremely taxing. It's really difficult. 
Um, and so there are things that we can do, nutrition and sleep and stress management and exercise that really improve quality of life through cancer treatment. And these are the things that Maxim Project focuses on. But then after the treatment is done, you know, to, today, 85% of kids who are diagnosed with cancer will go on to survive after five years. Uh, but then what they face after those five years or after treatment rather is a lifetime of dealing with increased risks for all sorts of chronic disease and reduced quality of life. And so the things we do with Maxwell Project, focusing on health behaviors, focusing on quality of life resources, uh, this is a major part of Childhood Cancer Awareness Month for me. Yeah, I know it's powerful. I didn't know that you've done actually significant research in that in in the area of childhood cancer survivorship yourself. Um, you became a researcher with your. I uh, went back to school. Went back to school. <laughs> um, you became official an official researcher with Children's Hospital of Orange County. Um, you produced the Ohana study um, to find a way, you know, different ways to mitigate these these risks to what we would say change the odds. We have been saying for years, the statistics are not destiny. And, and what does that mean to you? Well, statistics are, uh, can be depressing. So we, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we look at the statistics. Especially the childhood cancer yeah, statistics. Yeah. You know, one in five kids diagnosed with cancer do not survive. Three of five kids suffer a life-threatening late effects of treatment. I mean, it's, it's, it's devastating all around. And, and, and even in the survivorship stats, we're talking about uh, within the first five years. Um, there are a number, there are kids face secondary illness and, and cancers after that five years, and the mortality rate is even higher. So it's, uh, it's yeah, stats are pretty grim. There are some childhood cancers, too, that have no... Yeah. No treatment strategies that, that, that really work or that we haven't made much headway on. There's some that are completely, totally still terminal upon diagnosis, like DIPG, a very rare, um, although it doesn't feel rare to me with all of the, the families I know, form of pediatric brain cancer. It feels like the, the rates are increasing, which um, I did see data recently from cancer.gov that said childhood cancer rates are increasing. Oh, wow. So, yeah, the statistics are not destiny. Uh, other statistics like 95% of childhood cancer survivors will be dealing with a chronic health condition by age 45. So, yeah, these statistics can be depressing, but we are working to ensure that they're not destiny and there are things we can do to reduce risks and increase quality of life for those kids who do make it out of treatment. So, this and, and podcast... And, you know, and in treatment, treatment and beyond, well. like yes. we were, so, we, we were told to focus on Max's quality of life, like day three. Um, and we took that, we took that as marching orders. And in that we found, we found quantity, but we also built a community of like-minded parents of other parents who, who felt the same way. Like, what about quality of life today? Um, what about quality of life now? And, and we, if we start focusing on quality of life in treatment and in the treatment process, um, I really believe that it pays off long term and it becomes, you know, an approach that 
um, any family who has a cancer diagnosis um, and a ch- childhood cancer diagnosis benefits from the entire family benefits from the focus on quality of life in treatment and beyond. Yeah. So this podcast episode is not just about childhood cancer. We just wanted to start there recognizing Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. If you feel called uh, Maxo Project, w- this episode will air right after our uh, Farm to Fork dinner. But for all of Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, we are running a Fork Childhood Cancer campaign and so childhoodcancer.org you can join the campaign so i'm gonna justin's trying to um keep us on track i am (laughs) going to challenge that i really do think that this podcast is about us just getting real and being together and, and being real in what we're uh, what we're working on today, what we're going through, what we're facing, you know, on the other side of of uh, everything that that folks see that we put out in the world. And so we do have our farm to fork dinner coming up uh, September 25th at Tanaka Farms in Irvine is our seventh annual event. It's an incredible event. You can see more about it at mlpfarmdinner.org. But it's been quite a struggle. I I ha- just have to share, like we we could not have the event last year because of COVID. And so we came up with the Fort Childly Cancer Campaign, which was incredibly successful and the energy around it was beautiful. And, and I think, you know, I, I really felt like people were gathering in unity, e- even even in the midst of COVID to make a difference for families facing childhood cancer and related life-threatening illnesses and gathering virtually in their homes. Yeah. Fundraising, having their own dinners. Like we were, you know, online together for our event and all of that. And it was really beautiful. So we continued that campaign um, this year as well. And that it'll be what we do every September for childhood cancer is what we will do every September. It brings together so much of our program and messaging and, and focus on, on our mission. um, Part of which is culinary medicine, learning how to use uh, real whole foods therapeutically in the home, because it's one of the, one of the few things we're empowered to do in this process, right? It's one of the, one of the major things we're empowered to do. Uh, In any case, it has, I'm just going to keep it super real. It has been so much more challenging this year with COVID and I thought it was going to be better. And I, I, I'm like really trying hard to keep a, Oh, just like bring really good energy and be in the space that I want to be in. Like around this time of year, it's a space of change. It's a space of making a difference, a space of, of bringing um, resources and support to the, to our community um, addressing needs. And I, I really thought things were going to be better. And what I've experienced is um, so much more focus on people's self-interest and politics and things like that, that it's like pushed our cause under the water a little bit. It's been feeling like it's so hard to surface it and bring it back up because people are, you know, mostly concerned about, you know, what kind of political views they want to share on on social media about, you know, vaccinations and what they perceive to be mandates and, you know, things like that. And it's been really, really difficult for me. So my work right now is not only producing this incredible event where we're welcoming well over 400 people to uh, a working farm for an incredible dinner and celebration of our impact and a commitment to continuing to make a difference for the next year and beyond. That's a huge enough thing in and of itself, but working to bring the just powerful, beautiful, 
healing connected energy to this has been harder this year because it feels like pushing water up a mountain. And I am feeling the need for others to step up and to be a part of it and to say, let's do better. Let's get it together and let's do better for our kids and families. Like, let's look at the bigger picture and get over the, there are current myopia so we can create a hopeful future for, for our families and our kids. Like, that's what I want to see. So how, how does that land for you, getting, Justin? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I hear, I hear the keeping emotion and mm-hmm. we're keeping it real. And what is coming up for me is that this podcast is going to air after farm to fork. Uh, so we hopefully will have new listeners who went to farm to fork and who are listening to this mm-hmm. and who get to hear the, the, the burden, the emotional weight mm-hmm. that you're carrying moving up to this event, but it's going to be amazing. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be inspiring. And so we're going to have people listening to this afterwards and saying, all right, like I got to hear like the, the real deal, <laughs> you know, this is what goes on to, to it. it. It's not, you know, and it was amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's very, it's, it's very hard work, and, and part of it is because of the investment that we all have in it, that our hearts are so deeply invested. We are so incredibly inspired by the children and families we serve. And, and to me, like, they're, I mean, they're everything. Um, so it, it's it's a very, very big deal. Um, but I do want to thank everybody um, who is supporting Maxla Project, who's supporting our events and programming and our fundraisers and Fort Childhood Cancer, everyone who's bringing their best um, to make a difference. It really does make a difference. We have uh, cutting edge culinary medicine for pediatrics, like uh, no one else is doing what we're doing in that space. Um, we have incredible collaborators contributing. We have a really innovative app that we're growing that has, I don't know, boundless resources in it. There's so many, th- so many things to discover when it comes to lifestyle medicine, health and wellness, guided health and wellness for the childhood cancer journey. And I'm really hoping that more childhood cancer families who are interested in uh, that kind of guided health and wellness platform, um, who want to focus on quality of life and treatment and beyond, uh, join us in Max Love Connect. It is a, a really beautiful space to be together. And it's off of social media, which is something that I'm finding the need to do more and more of. You know, it's safe. If you're a parent like me, the teen years can be H-A-R-D hard. The communication breakdown, the conflict, the drama, the anxiety. For many parents, it's no walk in the park. But the good news is that it doesn't have to be this way. You can have a deep and loving relationship with your teen, even under the hardest circumstances. And the Family Thrive has brought together nine amazing experts to show you exactly how to achieve this. With researchers, psychologists, therapists, and professional relationship coaches, we've designed a 10 by 10 workshop in the Family Thrive app that has 10 lessons, each under 10 minutes, guaranteed to transform your relationship with your teen. These lessons cover topics like what's happening in the teen brain that makes them so unique, how to chart an effective parent strategy, the necessity of parent self-care, life-changing communication and relationship tools, and a lot more. 
What's even better is that all proceeds from the workshop will go to Maxwell Project, a nonprofit dedicated to helping childhood cancer families thrive. If you sign up before October 17th, you'll have the opportunity to work with a parent coach as you progress through the workshop. So head over to app.familythrive.com and sign up today. What does this all have to do with the Family Thrive? Maxa Project is the reason why the Family Thrive exists. Maxa Project is the the like seed. It's the it's the garden out of which the Family Thrive. Yep. So Maxa Project is celebrating its ten year anniversary this year. Mm -hmm. So ten years of making a difference. When we first started out in the space, um, we were like no one else was looking looking at this. Talking about quality of life, health, and wellness in the childhood cancer journey um, was kind of crazy. And so we were, I feel like, have been pioneers in the space and pioneers in doing it in a way that is alongside standard of care, doing it with our our uh, medical teams, doing it with care that we're receiving in the hospital where we were not trying to create kind of new, you know, totally new treatment paradigms. We're not in the alternative medicine space. We're really in the complementary and integrative medicine, integrative health space. And um, we have been growing um, just tremendously year after year doing the doing this work. And every single year, it seems we'd have somebody asking us, where is this for typical families? We all need this. So the health risks that childhood cancer families face, to some degree, all families face. Can you share about that, Justin? What What's some of the research that has informed our view of like why the Max Lever approach actually applies to all families? Everybody knows obesity and uh, diabetes have increased. Autoimmune disorders have skyrocketed. Uh, mental health challenges are much more prevalent for young children and teenagers. Uh, parents are under more stress than ever today. So we have all, all of these stats in uh, the Family Thrive, and we're going to be talking a lot more about them. But one thing that is coming up for me around the how Maxo Project eventually birthed the family thrive is that you know in in the hospital room when max was first diagnosed and he was coming out of a really intense surgery and he was intubated for a couple of days and audra and i were just in shock and taking turns sobbing and then eventually we both caught our breath and we looked at each other and we're like we're gonna do this like and and there's different ways that I remember that it was, you know, we're going to get, we're like, we're going to fight. We're going to do whatever we can. But at the core of this was we're going to be better parents. Like we are going to do whatever we can to make sure that we're doing that. We're feeding him the right foods that we're getting him that the right amount of sleep at the right time. Yeah. It was like a realization that we were getting by. With what we were doing, we were overwhelmed, working full time, both of us going is commuting huge, hugely long distances in, in traffic, you know, to make ends meet, um, daycare, like all of the, the things that any, any overwhelmed family is dealing with. And you're getting by at that time. I remember being so tired. I remember being so like out of shape, just so deeply exhausted and feeling like we're just trying to get by. And I think at that moment we said, you know what? 
no, 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 this is a priority. We're going to get ahead. We're, we're going to move beyond the getting by mindset. Like it is time to, you know, step up as parents. Yeah. Like what can we yeah. do? So the surgeons do what they mm-hmm. do. The radiation oncologist does what he does or she, she does. Uh, you know, so we take him home and we have to feed him. We have to put him to bed. We organize his day. Like what should we be doing to give him the best chance? And as soon as we started to just look into that a little bit, we're like, oh, you know, this, this includes us. This includes our daughter as well. It's a whole family looking to thrive. And that was what led us into developing Max of Project. And then it, it now in my mind, it, is a natural evolution to the yeah. family thrive. The family like, thrive just an expansion of it. You know, I remember like, um, I don't know, maybe it was about five years ago, halfway through this, we're like, let's write a book. And in the book, we can have all these strategies and it'll be called the family thrive. And then we wanted to do the cookbooks and then COVID hit and it became really, really clear. Like we are going to focus on super creative, innovative sustainability for our nonprofit organization. And I would like to have another conversation mm-hmm. one day yeah. on the podcast about why our nonprofit model is not sustainable. And for anyone who has a small grassroots nonprofit, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, a conversation I, for another I've day. I've heard though. another, uh, <laughs> like an amazing farm um, in Alabama, Farm Collective, that that referred to this as the nonprofit industrial complex. I'm mm-hmm. Totally down for this conversation. Mm-hmm. And we needed to disrupt it in the way that we could disrupt that and provide for MaxLab Project in perpetuity in a sustainable manner to be able to like make the commitment to be around for, for, forever, not dependent on corporations and you know folks' interests, you know, year to year, but to be really much more sustainable and then scalable is to create a revenue model. And how could we create a revenue model? What about taking the Maxwell Project way, our our platform, our health and wellness platform. Our mission, our goal. Yeah, out to the entire world, out to all parents. Like we, it's, it's loud and clear what we do benefits everybody. And the more that I talk to doctors and like pediatricians, I would hear, oh my gosh, I need this just for our, our typical, like for my typical families, because I have 10 minutes with them. I have 15 minutes with them. I don't have time to go through all of this stuff. I don't have time to address how their burnout is informing their child's mental health and how that's turning into like difficult habits and then poor health. Like it's just sort of like a cascade of overwhelm and challenges. And if I could have this resource for all of my families, it's like, I don't know. It's like having a health coach for them. And that is exactly where we're headed with a family thrive is like, we want to be your family's health coach, health and wellness coach. We got you where we're at right now is we are in the midst of seed funding and we're, we're fundraising. Well, let's, let's, I just real briefly, I I just want to give people the context. So this will be coming out at the end of September. We launched the family thrive, you know, like we opened it up to the world uh, in July. And so we, before that, we opened up the app in July. Yeah. We we opened Mm -hmm. up the app in July and launched our new full website. Yes. Yes. And had, we had a little small beta test with friends Mm -hmm. and family in June, but yeah, we've been really doing this since, since July, but we have learned so much in these past few months. Uh, So we thought, or at least my assumption was that the health coaching part of the Family Thrive was way off in the future, that we were going to start with 
all this wonderful content and we have it fresh every single week from experts. It's amazing. I'm really proud of it because I'm the director of content. But uh, one thing that we've learned from members in the app is that we have so much content that it's actually a little overwhelming or maybe even a lot overwhelming. And so maybe a little <laughs> intimidating us, you know, it's, it's hard, could be hard to connect with to some degree, you know, you see so much stuff coming at you. It's like, how is this relevant to me? And it is our goal to minimize the stress of looking for good information. It is our goal to make it easier. It is, you know, yeah. our goal to make like really, really great evidence-based, you know, expert backed, health and wellness information for families, like just super easy to access. So how do we facilitate um, better access to that? And for us, it's having a little bit more of a guided, supported approach to that, which you're right. We had it in our plan. So whenever, if anybody likes business podcasts or, or read business books, you'll hear like, you know, the plan is not how things are going to work. And that is exactly well, right. Mike Tyson said it best. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> so we had a plan to incorporate health coaching into the Family Thrive around year three when we thought we could really build a robust program. And I am a certified uh, health coach actually through the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. This is how I learned about health coaching. And my beautiful friend Shelby, who was a, a lead teacher in 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 that program for a while, um, now works for another mental health app company. Um, it has teamed up with us to to work on our health coaching component. And what it is is it's going to be so deeply infused in the structure of the app and in the way you interact that it's our goal that you kind of like feel coached as you're and supported as you're in the app. Some of that will be through, through one-on-one -on -one support, chat support, um, questionnaires, uh, all sorts of different things like that challenges. Some of it one day will be, if you want even more, we'll have, you know, a subscription for that. But to start, it's still, the app is free to everyone. And this coaching component is going to be free and accessible and available to everybody. If you want to be part of the pilot in our coaching program in the app, you can chat chat, us, chat yeah. with us mm -hmm. anytime. Yeah. So it, just get into the app. The app is free. And then you can search for Audra and Justin or Audra mm -hmm. separately or Justin separately. You just send us a chat and we will hook you up. Uh, we're going to be collecting a small group uh, to start going through this coaching model. And I'm super excited about it because not only do we have so much just daily fresh content on nutrition and stress and relationships and, and, and sleep and all the aspects of life that, or all the aspects of health behaviors that can really improve quality of life, boost our vitality, our connectedness, joy, connectedness. Yeah. Yes. All the, all and the health positive span. lifespan. I mean, we're talking about a long game here too. And we have, witnessed this firsthand over the last 10 years as yep. we've worked yep. with therapists and doctors and dietitians and coaches. And so we have learned all of this stuff and we are applying it all the time and then forgetting some of it and then reapplying it. Mm -hmm. And so we are, we know the power of this firsthand. And, and uh, so we're really excited for this next phase. But right now we, we have just a lot of amazing content but coming it, out every week. 
something that you just said uh, reminded me of like the fr- the forgetting and coming back to it. I was talking to a friend recently. It was like, you know, my family's not thriving a lot of the time. Like we are sometimes, but we're not a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. it kind of feels kind of weird to be working with the family thrive. And like, I just don't feel that we're thriving a lot of the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Because that is, I think the way it is for all of us. Like, I think thriving is not a destination. Mm. It's not Mm. something that you've achieved. It's a practice. It is a journey, but it's not an end point. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, you you don't get them go like, oh, great. I'm thriving Yeah, finally. And now I can take a break. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now life is good. It is a, it's a hard journey. It's an arduous journey. And, and, and part of it, and the reason why we oscillate, we all oscillate between, you know, maybe moments and periods feeling like thriving in certain areas and then, and then, then not as much in others and then feeling really great. And then feeling like we went, forgot something and, you know, kind of fell behind a little bit or whatever it might be, um, is because it's not a linear path because there are so many different elements and aspects to it because we're a whole family unit. Yes, it's not a linear path, but I do believe it's more like an upward spiral. Yeah. So climbing uh, I, the mountain. Can yes, I just share though? Yes. It is kind of an endless mountain. Oh. So you have yeah. to be in it for the journey because each step in the climb and love the journey. Feels great because yes. each step in the climb is like a win. I mean, this is the life we have to live. This is this is this time now. Why not make it quality? Why not make it the the very best it can be in that moment? So it's not about arriving at thriving. You know, it is about climbing that continuous mountain. And what is, what makes the mountain higher? There's something that makes the mountain a lot higher than unfortunately it has to be. What is that? Modern life. Hmm. Well, right. I mean, (laughs) So, so you take a mountain and then you put like, all of these things on top of it that present like even greater obstacles, right? And that's going to be everything from the food we have easy access to, to, you know, poverty and inequity and like, you know, like some of the the underbelly of, of capitalism. We have environmental, you know, toxins and challenges. We have stresses that we've never dealt with before. Um, okay, so that's all a downer, but... But, <laughs> but. but it's, but it's, it's what, these are the odds that are stacked against us. It's not your fault. If, if you're not thriving, yeah. you're facing yes. some huge odds, it man. Is. Not like, let's get your real. Fault, right? We are we are all in this same boat together. We're all climbing this but mountain together. Or all, you're sitting, uh, you know, like not climbing the mountain. But well, right. So that's because it can be hard to climb the mountain. The, uh, that's you the need alternative. To have resources to climb so the that's the alternative is is avoidance, ignoring, and resisting. And so it's not as if there there's there's like a third option of like oh I get just this perfect bliss it's like no you are either going to choose to uh, climb that mountain or you're going to avoid it and ignore it and you're just going to stay at the bottom there those those are those are the choices now what we want to do and i believe what we are in the process of doing with the family thrive is we're making that journey easier we're We're, walking with you you know what i mean and And we've got 
a donkey with like a little pack <laughs> over the back and, and making the journey water. more efficient. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, if you're a parent saying, okay, yeah, I, I do want to feed my family better, or I know that, you know, we can have more vitality, energy connection or whatever. Good luck f- sifting the internet f- through all of the misinformation, all I, of the false paths, I, I, all I, of I the nonsense. Discourage even, even more of that. Than so ever what before. we've done. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what we've done with the family thrive is we've collected real credentialed experts, doctors, dietitians, licensed therapists, clinical psychologists, researchers, people who have the training, who understand what science is, who understand what evidence-based health practices are. In addition to that, though, they're not just like the -the run-of-the-mill ones that like write for WebMD. Right. I have to say, there's a little key there. Yes, to all of what you just said and all of the evidence-based credential and all of that, but these are people who also see the picture that we're talking about. They see the odds that are stacked against us. They see that there are things that we can do to mitigate these risks. They see that we can change the odds through lifestyle. They're not people who just think that, you know, it has to be um, a drug prescription or pharmacological answer or whatever. It, It is, these are people who see that what we eat matters, how we move, how we, you know, process our emotions, all of that. So to me, that's that integrative wellness part of it. It's not just like run of the mill, um, you know, run of the mill stuff from a you know regular health website. It's and different. I think another thing that sets us apart is that because we are evidence based, we are not going to sell like this is the one trick that's going to solve all of your problems. Like there's not one trick. I'm so sorry, but there's not one thing. <laughs> so so that's why. First off, we have Thrive Pillars. We have four Thrive Pillars. It's nourish, flourish, embody, and connect. Nourish for nutrition, flourish for mental and emotional health practices, embody for physical practices that don't generally include nutrition, and then connect about relationships. And all of these have been shown to powerfully affect our health and happiness and wellness. Each one is kind of like a grain of sand that you're just putting on the weight to increase the the uh, the likelihood that you're going to thrive, that you're going to have a connected, loving, vital, mm-hmm. you know, family, and 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 so it can be something as small as let's see, I, um, I think the week that this podcast comes out, I'm going to be working on an article with an expert on getting sunlight into your eyes in the morning. So it's just simply like 15 to 20 minutes, get outside, get some sun, yeah. and and so this is a small thing that will not in it in and of itself change everything but when you add this little thing in with some nutrition stuff with some meditation and breathing and some relationship skills and and now you you are starting to really roll Can I, and that's what the family thrive is about yeah and let me add to that because what you're going to what you're talking about in that article is such a great example because since doing that, I no longer buy sunglasses. I'm not telling, we're not telling you to buy something. That's an answer. We're telling you to not buy something and it'll be better for you. (laughs) Right. So get the sun in your eyes. Like these are things that you can just do without spending any money. Yes. And that's a big thing for the family thrive as well. Yes. We now I I've worked on several articles on some really cool, uh, high protein, low carb products that are out there that we use and they are more expensive. So there are a few things like, like, hey, you know, this is going to cost more. But for the most part, 
like 95% of the things that we look at will cost you no money. And there are some things that we we recommend that that could cost a little bit more. And that is something that right. you will see throughout the the health and wellness space in in general, but as Mark Hyman said recently, it's about time we start looking at food as healthcare, right? You are going to have the opportunity to mitigate the risks and the long long-term expenses in your healthcare by making some of these swaps now. And um, we're totally all about being in it to help make it more affordable. Um, We don't need a designer lifestyle to do this. What's what's like really incredible about it. It's all like like really low hanging fruit that once you get into this, you see, oh, by prioritizing pretty simple things, Mm -hmm. I can make a huge difference in my life. And that's something that we found in the Maxwell Project journey as well. So it's, I think it's really exciting um, I'm super excited to be getting this out to more and more people in the world. And I want to talk about some of the behind the scenes things that people don't see. Like people don't know, for example, that I mean, we are on a shoestring budget making this business happen. Like talk <laughs> about the business side of things. They don't know. Oh like, I feel like I have a karmic something. I don't know what, what it's called that that I need to resolve and learn um, around fundraising. There's something in money that I have been called to deal with in this life from so signing up to do Maxwell Project. When I started Maxwell Project, I got credit card, legal zoom, started the nonprofit, started, started building that nonprofit with garage sales and selling like artists would donate cool things, cool jewelry. We put up a website, started selling things to basically make money to send out care packages with cloud be twilight turtles to kids across the country and around the world. And I got into it to make a difference, to connect with families, to help families get through, walk up this mountain, you know, to be with families walking up the mountain. And then I started to see in order to get more and more families up the mountain and in order to help with the passage, in order to do all the things that we need to really make a difference on this passage, I need to raise more money and then I need to raise more money and then I need to raise more money. And it is not what I signed up for. Yeah. Or what I thought I signed up for. Yeah. I thought I signed up to make a difference, but then you're in the space and you realize in order to make a difference, I need to raise money. You have to raise the money. And it is my least favorite mm. thing yeah. that one of the biggest challenges I've had to learn to embrace. And so coming into the family thrive, I'm like, okay, we're building a revenue stream someday for a max level. We're building this business. It's going to be a social enterprise. This is so exciting. We're going to make money so that we can give it. And then what do I end up needing to do? Fundraising. Again, I still have to fundraise. It's a different kind of fundraising. It's not charitable fundraising. It is investment fundraising. But it's still a world that I, I mean, I've learned about things that I never thought I would, I would ever learn about. I've learned about cap tables and convertible notes and all kinds of things. So the Family Thrive is a public benefit corporation. And I have walked through the process with some really incredible people, our legal team at Cooley LLP, to create this entity. We would like to become a B Corp one day. So we're on the path of doing that. And to become a B Corp means that like we're really intentional around our, our processes and our sourcing and how we um, support our employees and the kind of company we are and the kind of companies we work with. Um, and that's that's really, really exciting to me because I, we want to be a company that is 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 completely infused with integrity uh, from corner to corner, you know, 
we want to do this, do this right. And um, we're in the process of seed funding. And so the goal is to complete our seed round and then move into by the spring, by the time we hit a subscriber number and a revenue number that we can go out for institutional funding and, and work with venture capitalists, really start to realize the dream of the Family Thrive. So what we have today is a minimum viable product. It is our start. It is sweat equity. It is love. It is intention. It's like all of this just just the power of of ushering this of supporting this work to come into the world to you know to to benefit families and and to benefit communities and it's really amazing because we've done this in under a year with very very little resources total shoestring because we have we have a fantastic team, an army of of like mostly volunteers and some contractors at this point who've totally just committed to getting this off the ground. They've said, this is, this is important work. We're going to do this. And uh, the one thing that I know through all the uncertainties, I've had to walk myself out of habits around uh, fear, scarcity. You know, um, I've done a lot of work in that area. So do not go down those rabbit holes. And I really, truly believe that we're not only building this, but we're going to realize the potential of it. And it just takes, I don't know, it takes a pretty unique strength that I feel like I built over time. That's the strength in like, in like dealing with, with, with fear and like really feeling into a very deep knowledge around the truth and power of what we're doing and believing in that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hearing that, I am reflecting on the fact that I don't know anything about money because I have spent my entire adult life in academia. And so it's, uh, yeah, it, it, this is this has been a huge education for me as well. Money is a huge trigger for me. But as the director of content, like I am in charge of the podcast, I'm in charge of all the content, the workshops and all this. And so I really try to uh, just put my head down and do the work. And that's what I've learned as an academic. You know, I, I have two PhDs. I've done two dissertations. And I've learned that for me, I can just put my head down and just work. That's a good segue into another thing that um, I thought would be kind of cool to reveal if this this type of podcast could be about revealing the behind the scenes, revealing the the kind of like the back end of these projects, revealing Mm -hmm. what's really going on with us is we work together. We, we live together. We've been <laughs> together for 20 years plus. Well, we've been married almost. for almost 20 years yeah. and we've been March. together for yeah. for a num- number of more years than that. Yeah. So we've been together for half of our lives. Yeah. We have our beautiful children together and Zeus, yes. of course. And we work together not only on Maxler Project, but on the Family Thrive on a daily basis. And so I bet you there's some curiosity around that from people. Like, how does that go? Like, how does that work? Ah. And there are probably other people who are in the same situation or other people would never want to be in this situation who might be uh, in the, into some like insight. How, how do we make this work? So- and is it 
all flowers and I would direct listeners to <laughs> uh, two episodes that we've done one with Ryle Castano mm-hmm. and then the other with Alexandra Totterin and I had to do a lot of work like I recognize now that I put up a lot of roadblocks in the past in our relationship that I just through my own hangups <laughs> Um, that I didn't have a lot of the communication and relationship skills that were going to, to eventually help us do what we're doing right now. And so starting to do this work, it was really, uh, the impetus was Maxwell Project. So I was working on programs for Maxwell Project and stress management was one of the things that I was working on for childhood cancer families. And so I was starting to get trained and take these courses and learn more about the stress management world. And then I came across emotional processing. And so I went through a course in in, in that and then did some one-on-one therapy and training in that. And then eventually found authentic relating and then did training and coaching in that. And so from my perspective, and then you found internal family systems and therapy. Inter- yeah. And, and so from my perspective, mm-hmm. it was me learning about myself and then learning some really important communication mm-hmm. skills, which the amazing thing about communication skills is that they are free. Like once you know them, <laughs> then they are free to use. And I think they've been some of the most transformational things that I've had. I've, incorporated into my own life. Well, it's the combination of the communication skills with the emotional processing. Because if you have the emotional processing, but no communication skills and kind of like it stops there. And then if you have the communication skills, but you're not doing any emotional processing, then well, then, then it's not really helpful either. Yeah. Right. Like it's gotta be both of them. So, um, do you mind sharing about, uh, what happened the other day? Which, (laughs) which (laughs) Which episode? (laughs) Yeah. Which, (laughs) Which episode Which did time? I yeah, <laughs> point out one of my many failings and then how I recovered? Yes. So uh, when I gave you the heads up, we're having a meeting uh, about creating new pitch deck, a new pitch deck, because we're going into oh, yeah. uh, a new phase of seed um, with seed funding um, uh, groups. And we need to redo our pitch deck. And so I, I called to give you a head, heads up that what the meeting was about and um, what I received was, was what? What it, well, yeah. What did you receive? <laughs> <laughs> what I heard yeah. on the other side of the phone was uh, you like kind of flipped out, you know, sort of don't have time. Don't da, 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 you know, yeah, this, this is, is not on my schedule. This, this is, is not on my to-do list. Yeah, like, yeah, like, oh, I have a huge to-do list. I have, I have, I have, I have. So yeah, I experienced a, mm-hmm. and what was that like for you? Yeah. yeah. So I, <laughs> I experienced a heightened emotional response to yeah. this that I felt, uh, yeah, if I was to really, I, I, I didn't do a ton of emotional processing at the time, but I did enough to know afterwards that I did have an intense emotional reaction and that I needed to at least relax a little bit around this emotional reaction and then see in this more relaxed state, how do I want to communicate and how do I want to show up for 
not just the family thrive as a whole, but for my partner. And so I was able to relax and and uh, not not doing a ton of emotional processing, which if you don't know, uh, that would be to get really clear and emotionally granular around what I was feeling, which is probably a sense of inadequacy, of not being able to do all the things that I, I have so much to do. And so feeling maybe a little inadequate, maybe feeling helpless, um, that, you know, I like, I'm not fully in control because I've got this huge list and now this other thing is just piling on. It feels kind of like a, like a, like a tornado or an avalanche. So I was able to at least get to the point where I relaxed around it. And I knew in that more relaxed state after I took a breath and just uh, calmed down a bit that I knew that I wanted to show up, uh, for, the family thrive, but also for my partner. And, and that if I didn't show up that it would just be more on her plate. And I know that she has a ton to do. So I was able to respond later and say that I'm ready for the meeting. I'm ready to take this on. Um, And you said, I'm sorry. Yeah. That I, had that oh i think i said that i had a tantrum yeah (laughs) yeah because i had been talking with other parents about toddler tantrums Mm -hmm. and toddler meltdowns i was like you know what there's an internal toddler that was just feeling just really pissed off out of control yeah like (laughs) this is not what i want and how often do we as adults have tantrums? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really great way to put it. It's not just the thing that kids, kids do. Like, yeah, we, we like just, explode. we just yeah. uh, hold it in a little a bit big, better. Big feelings yeah. sometimes. Well, I, mean, you know. I mean, we don't bang our head on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like our daughter did when she was a year and a half old. But the way that we do this. So from my perspective, I think we work together really, really well. Like I, I love working with you and, and I, like, we, we do. And I want to share that working well doesn't mean not having things oh come up, gosh, you know, yeah. like, like when that came up. So, so this, this particular instance, first of all, I called you to tell you, you had, it was a counter invite had already been sent and all that, but I called you to tell you about it because I knew you'd need time to prepare. Well, I ignored the invite <laughs> because I was like, this cannot possibly be for me because she knows I have way too much on my plate and this cannot possibly be for me. So the interesting part is like when this goes down, sometimes these sort of things go down and I'll be like, Oh God, he's the worst employee. (laughs) (laughs) You would never do this to just like a random, yeah. What happens when you need to do a (laughs) quarterly review for your husband? So there is definitely more freedom in the relationship for both of us to be very open and honest about how we're feeling. And uh, very often in a, in a work setting, you wouldn't just have a tantrum or just say, no, I don't want to. <laughs> no, I don't think I should have to do that. You know, and so we are able to, to be very open. But I mean, I do think that those communication skills are everything because um, we, we do have frustrating times, but we work through them and we grow through them. Like one thing that I think is frustrating for both of us is like, I will have a vision for the next thing. And I was like, for me, it's like going from A to like H, it's easy. You know, there's nothing in between. Like, it's like, there's might be a little bit of things you have to do, but like, don't you see, don't you see where we're headed? And you hear it and you'll be like, I'm mapping, mentally mapping the process from A to B, B to C, you know, C to D, you know, you're going like this, like, oh, uh, I, I can see every little thing in like, the yeah, steps. I'm like, yes. and like, get, wh- why can't you just see? 
what's out at H, No, you know, I, like I, we're I, just doing no. it. We're going to do it. It's like, it's it. It's the thing, no. you know? And so there can be that, that rub where I'm frustrating, you know, I think because I jump into vision and uh, then I get frustrated with you when you can't jump into vision with me, but we've learned over time that uh, wait about a week and you're usually going to be like, like in it, if it's good. Because I then have, right. have seen You've all, done the, steps. all the dots and, yes, and all of yes. that. You have the vision and then I start to fill in. So I think pieces. we're less yes. frustrated with each other learning over time. Um, we did the Enneagram process together. Have we talked about that on this? I don't think we've talked about that. No, we, that's in the future. <laughs> we uh, had a great time doing the Enneagram and learning. And like in the particular one that we did what was the Enneagram Institute. No, I, I my top three, because they did it more like strengths finders where they give you the list of all of them and where you land. And I have a cluster that's the top three. That is your bottom three. <laughs> and when you see that, you're like, oh, I totally understand. And what it gave us was a language to use around where we're having challenge. Like it gave us a way of understanding like where the rub is. And that is really important. So it's not that it's easy to work together. It takes work to work together, but it's fruitful and productive and we work really well together. We're very complimentary. And I think just sharing that, like it isn't, um, cruising, you know what I mean? It's not like the easiest thing in the world, but that's in many ways what makes it good because Mm -hmm. that's how you produce real change and results is by maybe not just agreeing all the time. Like if we were the same kind of people and it was really easy, what there would, would we be, be producing? Well, there would be, uh, I think there would be big gaps in yeah. what we're doing. I, I do feel like the Family Thrive as it stands today is a really amazing resource. And I feel like we are, to use another sports metaphor, we're punching way above our weight. Like we're producing stuff that I think is amazing. I think the podcast is fantastic. I think the app is great. I think the content is great. Of course, I am in charge of a lot of that stuff. But I feel like we would have many more gaps mm-hmm. than yep. what we have today. And when I think about the future of the Family Thrive and all the cool things that we have on on tap that we are planning, um, it's because we do have very different mm-hmm. strengths and that we can really work off of each other and... Um, and, and we, yeah, I, th- I think we work really, really well together considering we're very, very different. <laughs> what advice would you give to anyone else who has to work with, has to, gets to? Oh man, this Kathy, is Kathy, I'm hearing so, you, not has to, gets to work with our family and loved ones, this partners. Is, okay. For me, there are a couple of keys and, but it really boils down to honesty plus connection. And so this is what I learned through uh, my authentic relating training. And that has just, it has been my touchstone is that if I can be honest and authentic and really just reveal what are my desires here, what are my expectations, what are my assumptions, Mm -hmm. what are my stories? If I can be honest and then the key is 
also remain in connection or mm-hmm. or commit to connection. Even if I don't feel like I'm in connection, that I'm committed to it. That I'm saying like, I am committed to being connected to you. And I'm committed to growing this relationship, meeting you where you're at. So it's for me, it's these two, two things of it's honesty and it's connection. Authenticity connection. And and if I can hold these two together and really commit to them both, then I know that we're going to come out in a higher place. We're going to come out in a stronger place. I agree with you. And to highlight that, it was like I'm on my phone actually right now because I was looking at a post by um, Yasmine Cheyenne and that I really loved about boundaries. And I think it comes down to Along in complimenting what you're saying, it comes down to boundaries. It comes down to Brene Brown's clear is kind. Clear is kind. Yeah. You re- and that's, and that's the, communication and that's honesty. The honest, that's yes, yeah, that's the absolutely. honesty part. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I think the um boundaries are important. I think I, I uh, okay, uh, I'm I'm sorry. So I the boundary thing. I feel a little off balance hearing the boundary thing. So, so what, why, yeah. why why do you feel off? Oh, ba- oh because for boundaries. me, yeah. uh, when I hear boundaries, I'm hearing other people who I am not fully committed to, and 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 so I am putting up a boundary like, no, we're not going to go because I'm I I am not committed to like spending my life with you and you being my life partner. So I so I don't I don't feel like no, I have I, boundaries. I don't, I, yeah, I don't I don't think I think we do have boundaries. I think we have boundaries yeah. to say when we want to be in the space of work and when we don't. When we want to, um, how we want to talk about things, yeah, how I, we want to approach things. Like it's not a boundary against, I'm not protecting myself from you. It's the space of like clarity where yeah. there are times when for, for you, you know, you have to uh, draw a line somewhere for in being clear about that to say, you know, this is how I want to proceed with this. You know, this is how I want to interact around this. This is how I want to be in a space like this, you know, and no, I, think I totally that- get that. And that's that's uh, that's an absolutely beautiful and perfect way to articulate boundaries. And for some reason, I, I just don't <laughs> think about uh, our relationship as having boundaries, although we have really clear communication and we are very clear and authentic and honest with each other about like, no, like I need this right now. And uh, this is my thing or yes, whatever the case is so we do have boundaries i just don't use that word in my mind because I, I i don't know maybe i have just some like romantic uh, <laughs> idea that like boundaries no that's for other people not for me and my partner but no you're but you're, thank you're you absolutely for right. um for others who are working with their family members and loved ones like i think being able to be you know open honest clear like we're saying about how we're feeling um you know even even like sitting down even if it's been 20 years that you've been working together and there's just still some really difficult things that are are dragging you down um or if it's new being able to get get together and say hey can we communicate around some really to communicate around some just some ground rules with how we approach this like i want our relationship to be you know number one and in work, sometimes things can, can get diff- difficult and blurry. And if we come to some clarity, I think a part of the challenge is then when we think things should just work out. Or if it's right, it just works. Or if it's good, it just happens the right way or whatever. And that's not that's never the case, really. It, there always is a need 
for clear, honest um, communication. I mean, it's something that we're, we work with our kids on too. And um, Maisie, at the age that she's at, you know, as a sixth grade girl, um, it's challenging, right? Like that's kind of like an age when you, when you can really benefit from developing some of these communication skills and, and being able to clarify and develop boundaries. It's only going to benefit her. I have some challenges with boundaries as um, my friend Jenny has, has been helping me understand um, being a people pleaser, a helper, peacemaker, you know, kind of, kind of type of person. I think that in my childhood, I think I was a placator potentially for folks around me and, and, and things like that. So I think boundaries have been, I've been learning in all facets of my life how to become much more clear and much more focused on that communication and much more focused on honoring like myself and in the boundaries that I need. So I think that that's definitely helped us. And I hope I'd love to maybe talk more about it on a, on another episode, because I think that's something that Jenny and I have been talking a lot about is how to like be a boss or a supervisor or someone in charge of other people or someone in charge of a business or someone, you know, somebody who has to like take ultimate responsibility, right. As a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. It's a journey. All right. So we are definitely going to have that as its own podcast because there's a lot there. What I do want, because we are coming up against the hour, we want to keep this at an hour. I do want to plug a big thing that's happening in October for the Family Drive is we are launching a parent teen communication workshop with eight different experts, therapists, psychologists, researchers. It's amazing. Relationship coaches. The communication skills that I've referenced or that we've referenced and the relationship skills are all going to be in this workshop, but it's going to be directly targeted at the parent-teen relationship. This is going to be a game-changing workshop for any parent who takes it. If you don't have teens yet, but you know the teenage years are coming, please hop into this workshop. If you have teenagers now, please like this is this is going to change your relationship and even if you have maybe a young adult you have a teenager who has now moved out but they are still young adults it, there's still going to be a lot of applicable grandkids or stuff teenagers, there right? yeah. yeah so so please visit the family thrive um, you uh, will have the website you'll be able to sign up for it probably by the time this podcast comes out and then we're going to start it on October 17th, but you can sign up for it before then all the proceeds from this workshop will go to max of project. So this is going to support an amazing cause It's going to be a game changing workshop. So please sign up. We're going to be talking a lot more about it in the app. So you'll get more information there. One other thing, our next workshop after the parent teen communication workshop is going to be in November and it's going to be all about relationships and partnerships like we just talked about but it's just going to be a one week workshop so it's going to be really intense we're working with again some Not amazing really intense, experts like like work like intense intense in like, like you're going to get a lot a in lot one week. In, 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 in a small period short period of time right <laughs> yes, right yes. no so we're stay not going to be, be like like putting you into an in-person boot camp or anything but no. all right i think that's it so how can people support us if they're interested in growing with us growing the family thrive 
movement with us. Um, they they want to be a part of this as we climb this mountain. How can they support us? So the biggest thing, I mean, the, like if you just want to go straight to it, you're like, hey, just let me in to the app. You can go to app dot familythrive.com and you can get straight into the app but if you want to learn more about us then you can go to the familythrive.com which is the website and you're going to get all sorts of good stuff there please subscribe to the podcast tell a friend follow us on facebook and instagram and if you're in the app already please become an ambassador there's you have your own unique link that you can use to send to all of your friends and family. And um, we have some cool prizes too for people who successfully invite others in. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Family Thrive Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, tell two friends and head on over to Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts and give us a review. We're so grateful you've chosen to join us on this Family Thrive journey.